Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The luxury experience of ordering custom clothing is available to all at Indochino. They've now expanded their offering to include the female form. In select cities, Indochino has introduced a new tailored experience for women, so everybody can find their perfect fit in a made-to-measure suit, all for a surprisingly affordable price. Book your showroom appointment today at page.indochino.com slash womenswear. That's page.indochino.com slash womenswear. It's the Autosport Podcast. We review the World Rally Championship season and have a look ahead to 2019. We're back in the world of mud and gravel on this edition of the Autosport Podcast. We're going to combine a look back at the 2018 World Rally Championship with a look ahead to the 2019 season. Of course, the 2019 WRC will launch Autosport International in Birmingham on January the 12th, prior to the Monte Carlo Rally later that month. So it's not long before all the action gets going again. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and my first guest is known as the voice of Rally on Twitter, making him the ideal person for this podcast. It's Colin Clark. Are you not fed up with talking about 2018 yet? Not at all, Ed. I really think we'll be talking about 2018 for many more years to come, never mind days, weeks or months. It was a fantastic season and it's an absolute joy to be invited here to talk about it. Could I just jump? Should it not be me first? I, no, I've, I work I've, it. I've done them in. I've done them in rank. Actually, normally we, no, I was going to say ranking order, but normally we do the uh, we do the guest first out of politeness and Sorry. you know etiquette and just polite, exactly exactly. And in fact, well, we've already heard from uh, my other guest, which is Autosports Rallies editor and a very good rallies editor is too. Very well done for your excellent work this season, <laughs> just to make you feel valued. Uh, but I presume you're already getting excited about Rally GB, even though it's in October, because that's that seems to be your I, main. I thing. spend my my life in a in a in a. Uh, 
perpetual excitement about Rally GB, Ed. You know that. So, yes, of course I am. But even more excited about Monte Carlo. Well, exactly. It's a very short off-season for the World Rally Championship. But we are going to look back at, uh, at last year, last season, as we should now call it, even though it's still technically this year. Fantastic championship battle. Sebastian Ogier prevailed, as usual, but it seems to get harder every year for him. So how do we see this season, David? Is it Ogier won? Did, did Tanak lose? Did Jerry Neuville lose? I, I've got to be honest, Ed. For me, Neuville lost this one. I, I really think, you know, you look at it halfway through the year, how on earth could he drop a 27-point lead in a championship? I can't remember the last time anybody did that from the mid-season. Uh, you know, we, I mean, constantly after Sardinia, we were doing the maths. What's he got to do? What's he got to do? And he could pretty much finish second everywhere. You know, he didn't, it wasn't too much of a stress. And it was really hard when we went into our summer break to think of anybody other than Thierry winning, particularly because he came off the back of Sardinia, beating Ogier in that final stage shootout, essentially, beaten by five tenths of a second or something, which, okay, it was a difficult one because if Ogier had gone off in that last stage, his championship was over. You know, he couldn't sacrifice those 18 points. But psychologically, Thierry was absolutely right up there when he went away from Sardinia. And yeah, so for me, Thierry lost it. But that's to take nothing away from Ogier, who did an incredible job and we saw a totally different side to Ogier this year we've seen the dominance in for all through the Volkswagen years uh, and even to an extent he, okay he only won two rallies last year but still he was there but this year he had to fight and he really did he, he did fight I, I think you're being a little bit unkind Thierry and I think you're downplaying a touch unfortunately Ogier's brilliance this year I've compared Ogier this year to a thoroughbred racehorse in the derby you know he didn't go hell for leather uh, from the first furlong, he sat back, he watched what was happening. And OK, that was perhaps forced upon him in some ways by the circumstances that prevailed, particularly after kind of rally, I suppose, Mexico. Uh, and as you say, uh, in particular in Sardinia. But, you know, he never lost sight of what he had to do this year. And he kept the pressure on and he was there and thereabouts. And when it got to the real pointy end of the season... He was right on their shoulders and he burst through. He burst through, he put the pressure on them, he kept the pressure on them. And at the end of the day, Ogier is the man who's done it previously. And that's what told this year. The fact that he had five in the bag. He knew what he had to do and he did it brilliantly. Three rounds to go, 23 points behind. That's not right on his shoulder. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. No, no, no. You're showing your age. Ed, you'll put us right here. When was it that they changed the point scoring system? It used to be eight points for a win. 23 points down with eight points for a win is three rallies. 23 points down with 25 points for a win is one rally. It was never, but, but I'm ever I'm sorry, that's not sight. right on your shoulder at all. And, you know, Ogier made more mistakes this year than he's made. You know, He made one, por- one inexplicable Portugal, mistake. Portugal and Turkey. Turkey was unbelievable. Portugal was, was, was stuff understandable. That I don't believe that we'd have seen from him before. He was under more pressure for sure this year than he's ever been. And the other guy that we cannot forget is Tanak. What Tanak did through the second half of the year, that hat-trick of wins through Finland, Germany, Turkey, totally different rallies and one result. And, you know, I remember in early in Turkey, he was nowhere, absolutely nowhere, but he demonstrated an ability to not get excited, not chase the rally, and he let that rally come to him, and that showed a totally different side to Tanak. Well, and the perfect example of that was Argentina, where he was 40 seconds down, down after, after the first, the first stage. stage. Yeah, The perfect example. I give you that. For me, Tanak was the revelation this year, Ed. He really was. I think we... We all expected him to do well because he had a brilliant 2017, particularly the second half. 
But I don't think we expected him to fit in quite as well as he has at Toyota. And the other, but the other thing is, I don't really think we expected Toyota to make the massive strides forward that they continue to make. They're not making many mistakes. And that often happens. We saw it with M-Sport, with their aerodynamic steps forward this year. In fact, it wasn't right. They've gone backwards to go forwards again. Everything that Toyota have done over the past year, 18 months, has been in the right direction. And the combination of Tanak and those improvements at some points unbeatable. Yeah, but equally, he could also look at the car and say, Portugal, he hit the rock on the line. Should, should he, should he, he couldn't, he was Terrible committed. Decision. Nonsense. He was committed to the line. He could not deviate from that line. It was a fifth gear left-hander. He committed to the corner. So he hit the rock. Should the car have gone over that? For me, probably yes. Certainly in Sardinia, the car should, he nosedived on the jump in Sardinia. The, for me, the car should have lasted. Wales, what the heck was wrong with that car in Wales? You know, he was turning into a left-hander and the front of the car dug in and it damaged the radiator again. These, any one of those three results, if it had turned around, he was so at the top of his game at that point, he would have been champion with one of those results. For me, from Argentina onwards, he was favourite for every rally, but I disagree yeah. with you. You know, that, that Toyota, yes, GB was strange and we're, we're yet to find out what happened in GB. But in Sardinia, was it Sardinia or Portugal? We hit the rock on the line. Portugal. Portugal. One of the widest bits of road. That rock was visible from miles away. Miles away. He shouldn't have been on that line. He should have avoided it. He knew. He, he couldn't he knew avoid it. Question. Yes, he could. No, he could It was the widest not, piece of road on the whole rally. The no, the car was he committed knew the to the car. car. He knew the car had issues with the suspension, as did Latvala. He but knew he, he had he to be a little bit You can't drive that with that in the back of your mind. You, you have a rock the size of a life. fridge. You don't just go straight at it when you've it got suspension It was a small fridge. It was a very small fridge. Okay, it was a fridge. Well, there's a question of how you interpret errors there, isn't isn't it? We talked about one inexplicable error for Auger. So is Tanak being allowed to get away with the free pass that Auger isn't allowed to because Auger, we expect this absolute Auger, perfection from? Auger's mistakes were there will be nobody more frustrated than Sebastian Auger with those mistakes. Because they just were, remind us of them. The one in Portugal, he slid just slid wide, just slid into a bank or something, didn't it? it was a, I remember a right-hander, could have been a left-hander, uh, and it just 50, broke, 50. It broke some that. suspension. Might have been a straight. Uh, and then, obviously, Turkey, um, he, he did that incredible, unbelievable job. One of the stories of the season, to rebuild the car at the side of the road, came back, bought the car back to service, um, and then was then lying fourth or something, but was absolutely bang on for the championship. This was going to be the championship-defining rally. And he'd done all the hard work, and then momentary lapse of concentration going into a left-hander, and it slid wide and he dropped off. He broke late, didn't he? But he had too much speed, and he, and he, he didn't listen to the pace it. note. Well, he, he cannot he, explain But he said he, he, he didn't hear, or he yeah. didn't compute what Julian had said to him. Break a tiny bit too late, and it was beached. And unbelievably, went for reverse, it backed a little bit, and there was no damage to the car. And honestly, that... It was staggering. I remember being in the service park and we'd just done the story of this remarkable recovery that he'd made. And, you know, it came, it was contextualized by Thierry who'd stopped one stage earlier and actually couldn't fix his car. So this was, it was such drama and such an incredible story that he got to service and then, you know, Elvin worked on his own car because all of the boys were working on Seb's car. It was brilliant. It was the WRC at its absolute best and then went out in the afternoon and we fully expected Ogier to move up from fourth to third to second and probably to win the rally and, and, and underwrite his, his sixth championship there. And the next minute he'd gone off. His, his, his blob on the track and thing had gone yeah. red. And it, what? He's gone off. How is that? And genuinely... 
I couldn't take it in. But, but for this... me, for me, you know, uh, that was almost the making of him because he did yeah. reassess after that and he came back uh, and he thought, OK, you know, that is inexplicable, but my goodness, I've got a job to do now. And he knuckled down and he got on with it and he applied pressure in particular to Newville. You're quite right about Tanak. Tanak with a, a better rub of the green probably could have been champion this year, but, you know... but. There are many things that make a champion, and it isn't just, sadly, pace in the stages. Um, but, you know, Ogier showed his form from from uh, from Turkey onwards. A lot of other drivers would have been completely defeated by that. He had an open goal. The only thing that was in danger was the corner flag. I mean, it was just the most bizarre, bizarre afternoon. You, um, I mean, if you talk to Malcolm now about what, you know, pick out a couple of absolute incredible performances from the last two years for Ogier, he will pick out Wales from oh. this year. The you know, it, the last day when, when Ogier still had everything riding on it because he was still behind Thierry and he went into that final day and Latvala was leading. Yes. And honestly, if we can find one piece of footage, watch the second run over the Great <laughs> Orm. It's, you know, it's a tarmac toll road around a headland. Ogier was cutting across curbs. I have never, I had to watch it four or five times to take it in. You know, the guy was doing 120 mile an hour around. Watch it first time. You think this is speeding speed it up? It speeded up. And it isn't. It's it breathtaking. Isn't. And and that, for me, right there, you are absolutely right. He picked it up in Wales. And then Spain as well. You know, that second place in Spain. But was... there's a definite change in those two rallies in terms of Ogier's approach. Yeah. And again, for me, it shows you he is able to adapt his driving to the circumstances he finds himself in. Uh, and he knew throughout the course of the year it was going to be a struggle. He knew Tanak was going to win rallies. He knew Neville was going to win rallies. He perhaps suspected others would. So he was banging away thirds, fourths, fifths, picking up the power stage points. But after Turkey, he knew he had to win. The, but and there the was... commitment on that final stage, if he'd put it off, he, he knew it really didn't matter because he had to win. Yeah. He had to win. And Absolutely. it was the same in Spain. He had to. I'm not sure about that because, you know, if he'd gone off in Wales, it was over. You know, if he'd settled for second or whatever, he could still be in with a shot. And, you know, there were still two rounds to go. But for sure, in Wales, I remember you and I talking to him after shakedown in Wales, and there was a ruthlessness to him. It was there was a look in the eye that the turn of the, the the Volkswagen days, almost way more than that because yeah. you know he didn't need almost that ruthlessness that he bought and you know for so much of the season he'd been quite conservative he'd he chased Thierry but he tried to play the percentage game Sardinia as we've already discussed he had so much to lose that he couldn't let himself drive freely and and for sure in Wales and Spain you're right he did he just he got in there and he demolished everybody and then apart from when we got to Australia. I was enormously impressed by that. Yes, he did use his teammates to... Uh, to, to, you know, to find, it was a, Tactically, it was one of the best tactical moves of the year with Malcolm moving both Sunanen and Evans uh, behind. And with such accuracy. With, with unbelievable seconds accuracy. Getting them, getting them um, but for me, what was impressive, uh, that final morning in Australia was one of the most difficult mornings we've seen in WRC for a long time. When the rain comes down around Coffs Harbour, that clay becomes like ice, and it was like that. And we saw a number of corners that nearly every single car had problems on. Now, I was at the penultimate stage. It was at the last stage, but at the penultimate stage as well. The only car out of our World Rally cars that didn't have some substantial damage, all of them had substantial damage, the only one that was unmarked, Ogier's car. Ogier's car. He knows how to drive in circumstances that require a certain outcome. But and he doesn't deviate from it. But also, he was 20 he, seconds down. He knew from, you know, Friday afternoon, as soon as Thierry knocked the tyre off the rim yeah. or the tyre came off the rim or whatever, 
he knew Thierry was behind him and he knew the championship was then his because of the running order thing on the weekend. But, you know, Friday lunchtime, Ogier was so frustrated in, in, in Australia because there was nothing he could do. But the minute he got that opportunity, he did not and he never looked. And for me, this is the, the mark of a real champion. He never looked like dropping it. No, from, never, from Friday, never once. Friday afternoon onwards and through, like you say, through yeah. those Sunday morning Ooh. conditions were horrific. Uh, and he, he absolutely nailed it. it you know, if, if you're wanting to, if you get up on a Sunday morning and you want to bring the car home Sunday lunchtime, those are the absolute conditions that you do not want. Yeah. That is the worst you would see. You know, you really don't want it any worse than that. But I think more, perhaps more importantly, David, we have to talk about Neuville, if that's all right, Ed. Can we talk about Neuville? Please do. Because for me... <laughs> Argue about you know, some ideally. Well, you know, it's a discussion, but for me, Neuville... You know, after that great win, and it was a fantastic battle in Sardinia, and as you say, it came down to the final stage. Do you know, he only got on the podium once in the remainder of the season after that. And he really, other than Germany, he didn't look like threatening the podium. What happened after Sardinia? He was first on the road on the gravel events. Right up, right up until Australia. He was first on the road. Almost psychologically, before he started those rallies, he was beaten. Because, you know, Ogier has spent so many years, we saw it with Loeb as well, you know, Loeb and Gronholm had developed an ability to drive first mm-hmm. on the road. Auger, exactly the same. He moaned about it for the first couple of years at Volkswagen. Then he got on with it. Here's the and thing, though. I think there's something very different happening with these new generation World Rally cars. You know, in, in Auger's days at Volkswagen, it was possible to go first on the road on two days and still win rallies, as he proved on many occasions. I think with this massive torque in these new World Rally cars, I think it's almost impossible. I think rather, because Ogier used to, you know, we, we regularly see him dropping 20, 30 seconds in the morning, getting them all back in the afternoon. It doesn't happen now. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. No, Not but even equally, with Ogier. Uh, equally, I think, you know, the regulations are so much tighter now with, with the new World Rally cars that I think they're closer. And I think, you know, the competition is, is closer yeah. than, we, than we've ever had. Yeah. Certainly when it was Volkswagen, you know, there wasn't the same level of competition. All four cars have won this year. Uh, and it has been really close. It's a strange thing, but I, I think, you know, if we find ourselves in a similar situation next year, we could well have uh, the likes of Tanak leading the championship. We could well have Neuville leading again. I'm not so certain that Ogier might not be quite happy just to play the waiting game again next year. Absolutely. But we said but, but you, does, you were going to talk about Thierry. No, well, yeah, exactly. And, and my point about Thierry was after Sardinia. Uh, you know, what was the problem? Was the problem Thierry? Was it... Was the problem road position? Was the problem perhaps, and I suspect this is the bigger problem, the fact that he was having to overdrive that car because we saw on so many events, particularly on the Friday morning, uh, all three Hyundai drivers struggling with balance. The car, not just understeering. If it's understeering, you can do something about it. If it's oversteering, you can do something about it. If it's completely unpredictable, unpredictable, what can you do? And it would take them until Saturday morning and I, and I, well, well, I almost said comfortable, but they were never at times comfortable in the car. No. And I think, actually, we have to give Neuville a lot more credit than perhaps a lot of people are giving him because I think he struggled with that car. Well, he can, only, he can only, he can only pitch yourself against your teammates. And, and, he, and he consistently and, and okay, only, He only had one full-time teammate in, in Mickelson, and he, he absolutely killed him, didn't yeah, but, he? But he also had two other teammates who were benefiting from a better road yeah. position, and he would still beat them at the end of a lot of rallies. You know, not by many positions, but he would still beat them. A, a very difficult situation for Neuville this year. I think I think he had a great chance in 2017 of being champion. Mm. He again had perhaps the best chance this year of being Absolutely champion. Absolutely the best chance. Uh, 
you know, for me, I you know, in now, many ways, his chances could have gone now because Tanak and Toyota gone. next year are going to be so strong. But one of the other issues that we haven't talked about for, for Navelli, and you touched on it briefly with Ogier, is he had the support of his teammates and a team around him. It was difficult because, you know, Danny Sordo and, and Hayden doing a split season, never easy. But for me, the guy that let them down this year was Mickelson. You know, we all love Andreas Mickelson. He is a great guy, fabulous fella, but he hasn't turned up this year. You know, he's had, he's had, okay, he's had some results. He's had some reliability issues. He's had some problems, but he has struggled so much with that car. And there's, and there's a feeling about the place that the car simply won't work for him. Um, and he's, you know, whenever a driver starts talking about having to, to change their driving style to suit the car, you're onto a hiding to, to, to nothing there. Um, yeah, well, that and, was very often the case in the Citroen days, wasn't it? With, you know, Loeb developed the Citroens and they were built around him. Is there perhaps a suggestion that the Hyundai is built around Neville? Because, you know, Hayden Patton went from being in 2016 a proper challenger for the title in 2017 to being nowhere because he couldn't handle that car. Now, we find Mickelson coming in. He's parachuted in because there's an argument that perhaps Padden was underperforming in 2017, as was perhaps Sordo. So they bring in the boy wonder, the golden boy, and, and he's not, as you rightly say, able to get to grips with the car either. But, but Why I, is that? But I would like to have seen, I would love to have seen Padden in a full season this year. So I. Because I genuinely think, you know, from where he started, he could have built back up to that. You know, last year was... Every driver's nightmare, oh. his start in Monte Carlo. And it I don't care who you are, it takes you time to get over an accident like that. He started again this year, and I feel if he'd been given a fair go this year, he would have been back up there. But equally, the team have said that neither of those two drivers has ever performed better than this year because they've been fighting like hell for the potential carrot of a full-time drive this year, which actually, or next year, which actually isn't going to come. But, you know, the 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 certainly the start of the year for Sordo was strong mm. was strong and then he retired in Germany he was only and outside he, the top five once in, in rallies that he finished and then uh, and, and he then he crashed in Spain so yeah, for me yeah, the second half yeah. of the year was disappointing but Padden was strong Padden, pretty much all yeah, the way through Portugal he was leading yeah. uh, and then had a problem in Portugal went off or whatever but after that he knew what he had to do for the team and he delivered he um, did he did exactly what he had to do but for, for me the big question mark over Padden a uh, number of question marks because you know, Michel Nondon at Hyundai had history of backing drivers and supporting drivers through difficult times. Let's not forget that, what, two and a half years ago, you know, Terry Neville was in, you know, was in, he was lost. He was absolutely lost. He wasn't, he was struggling for seventh, eighth places on rallies. He didn't know what to do. And he looked he like a beaten driver. Sea, wasn't he? And yeah. Michel Nondon put his arm around him and said, we've got faith in you. We trust you. It will come good. And he was absolutely right. And it came good in Sardinia 2016, I think it was, when he won again. And then he was back on it. I fully expected the same treatment for Padden. And I think Padden deserved it. I uh, do. And what absolutely. happened with Padden and how anyone deals with this, and you have to give him enormous credit for dealing with it. Halfway through 2017, he knows he's having a hard season and he comes out and publicly says, look, it's taken me a little while to get used to this car, but I'm getting there. 2018, I'm going to have a shot at the title. Overnight, he gets a phone call and says, uh -uh, it's not happening because you're only getting a part-time season in 2018. His complete motivation, his drive, his desire, his one reason for being in life, which is to be World Rally Champion, is taken away from him. But he's still expected to perform. How do you deal with that as a driver? He, he hasn't had enough credit for dealing with that. because. No. You know, no, he hasn't. So, I, but in fairness, how well did he deal with it? Because you know, the second half of last year well, was, you just was said difficult. He had the best. He, he, no, last life. year, last year, 
fine, the end of last year, it was difficult for him. But for sure, this year, he bounced back. And he was absolutely... And, you know, all of the stuff that he's doing in New Zealand and everything, it, for me, he, he did exactly the right thing. And he showed so much motivation in doing that. You know, he could have mm-hmm. sat back and just relaxed between the rallies. But no, he went out and he got himself a car and he's doing his own thing in, at home. And... Uh, I think he's one of the guys that deserves another chance. I know there are people in the service park that don't agree, that don't see that. But, you know, when we look at what he did in Argentina to beat Ogier, you know, you don't lose that. You know, that was another absolute final stage fight. And he won against Ogier in a Volkswagen. It was, How many it was people the most did that? astonishing drive. Yeah. The most astonishing drive. That's, and I, that's, he's the guy. And, you know, we've seen time after time, we've seen Sordo, brilliant driver, great, you know, can bring home points galore. But he's won once. In like I think it's like two hundred sixty-two thousand WRC starts or something like that. And again, lovely bloke. But for me, he has had his chance. I'm really sorry, Danny, if you're watching wherever. I love you to bits, but I think you know the time has gone. And we've now, you know, there's an element of this with Sebastian Loeb as well. Do we not need to move on from these guys? It's, well, it's, it's, shall we? Because um, we're talking about a lot of drivers here. Shall we just bring some order? To this to this debate by looking at the, your respective top tens for the season every year it's a it's something you do autosport David Evans you did your top ten drivers this is based on your impression of their performance relative to expectations etc Colin Clark you did the motorsport news one now looking at them there's not one position where it's the same there's a couple where you're close there's a few where there's some quite big differences of opinion so if we if we quickly we talk quite a lot about about these two but We've got a difference of opinion in the top two, whereby David Evans, you've got Oit Tanak first, Sebastian Auger second. Colin Clark, you've got it the other way around, Sebastian Auger yeah, first, yeah. Oit Tanak I, I think, second. I think, so I've, what's, what's yeah, the final? Well, no, 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 it's it's you know best it's driver the I'd best say. driver okay right. the best driver the best, best driver is not necessarily how the can the best driver <laughs> be anybody else than the guy who's got the most stage times led the most rallies won the championship what the best honestly David sometimes I despair with you sometimes Tanaka I despair with you sometimes I stage times and and leading stages. I am going to take Ed's lead on this because Ed is the wise man of this table, right? Which you are, you are. I don't know what he comes out with at times, and I'm a little bit of a hothead. But it is exactly what you just said, Ed. For me, it is the best driver. And once again, what Oji has shown us this year is that rallying is not and never will be about out-and-out speed. It is not a series of short sprint speed tests. Tanak, Tanak I, can't I, be blamed listen, for, the, for, for missing those rounds. I make for, it quite clear that Tanak is the fastest driver of the year, but this is my top 10 drivers of the year. The best driver in the world is, is without doubt Sebastian Ogier. He's, Seb runs him a very, very close second, but for me, you can't ignore. And it's not it's not even close. You know, I'm gonna, you're going to have to bear with me a second here because I'm going to go through this. So you know, I'm going to summarise the two arguments. So we've, we've basically got, David, your argument is that Oik Tanak was the fastest yep. stage times win. Should have won more rallies without yep. some bad luck. Colin, your argument is Ogier is the, the, the better all-round driver. Absolutely. He didn't necessarily need to be the fastest. So, Ed, just, all, to, all just to quantify, just to put a bit of context on this. I like data. So you're, exactly. Th- th- this it's will, this a data-rich environment. So let's work with these numbers. Uh, stage winners, Oik Tanak, 70. Second, not Sebastian Ogier, Thierry Neville on 40. How much more impressive does that make? Sebastian Ogier, 38. And leading rallies, 86 stages for Tanak. 
and 65 for Seb. And, you know, David, statistics, facts, statistics, all exactly. the rest can be manipulated. You can't argue with them. Yes, you can. Oh. Yes, you can. How? Yes, you can. How can you argue with those numbers? Well, well to, to, to play devil's advocate on that, you could argue that those numbers should equal the most wins and the most points, and they haven't. Why? So I have to let him down. Look at Portugal, Sardinia, Wales. Any one of those rallies, if he delivered the result he deserved, he would have been champion. And then had Tanak had a little more sympathy with his car, <gasps> it wouldn't have broken. That is absolutely a fact. Latvala had to change his driving style halfway through the year because it broke on every uh, yeah. rally in the first half of the year. He changed his driving style. He had the best six months driving of his life. He Tanak had more sympathy his for the car. And won three rallies on the bounce. Yeah, but he couldn't do that earlier on in the year because he wasn't clever enough to work it out. Whereas Augier is clever enough. It is tosh and nonsense just to look yeah. at stage wins and say he is the best driver because of it. But but maybe we have a I slight... Can, okay, I, I, take, I take that. And I am playing devil's advocate a little bit. But for me... Well, thanks because I was beginning to worry was, about <laughs> you. If it was close, I could go with you a bit here. But he took 32 more fastest I, times. I just think... That's not that, even I just a little think bit. that that makes Augier's achievements this year... All the more remarkable. He didn't have the quickest car. He didn't. No question. He didn't have the quickest car. And your stats say that. I'm going to tell you. You want to read your stats in a certain way. What? And, and you're saying your stats are telling you with all those wins, he is the fastest driver. My view is with all those wins, he had the fastest car. That's, try, that's no. Try, he had the most take, fragile car as well. Try, try and take a dispassionate view of this. Obviously, as the uh, as the referee and the person who wants to stoke as much argument as possible. <laughs> Looking at it from the outside, you could argue that if Tanak. Because Tanak could easily have had what five wins in a row would it have been, or even yeah, six, five or six, six through to the end. Of the, if that happened, he'd have won the championship. So at the crux of it is Tanak's responsibility for those those retirements. So that that for me seems to be the key battleground. What, what, how many were his mistake? How many were outside he would of his say, control? He, quite incorrectly, he would say that Portugal was his mistake. 100%. But for me, I, this was hitting the fridge. This hitting the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Someone left in the stage. It, oh, we need to, to look at that because I, you know, it was a, I'm sure it was a right into left from memory and he was committed to the corner. It was over a bit of a crest. It was he the widest corner. He couldn't avoid it. Corner. He, yes, you could. He couldn't avoid it. Yes, he could. But he, took, certainly he chose the, to the, take the fastest the line. The following one, Sardinia, was he was quick over a jump, a really flat out jump and the car nosedived yeah. into the ground. How can that, you know, if you've got a dead straight bit of road that's dead straight after the jump, you know, what are you expected to do? You take the jump flat. You know, suspension technology is such in these cars that they can take anything. But obviously there was something wrong with the aero or something you know, tipped the car. I would argue that, that Ogier is so in tune. So just, to, just to go back to you, just to go back to you, actually Tanak was robbed. I think we're agreed on that. I think Tanak could have been champion and I won't disagree with that. And I think he'll be champion next year. Uh, but the best driver, without any question this year, was Sebastian Ogier. The fastest driver, your top 11. If we're going to get down to it now, your top 11 because you sit on the fence so much, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. Well, I must you... admit, when it, if ever it comes to any decision of whose top 10 is right, it's always going to come back down to the fact that Collins' one does tally with you know maths. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm all about value for the readers. You know, they wanted 10, I gave them 11. Buy 10, get one free. Exactly. Just... We're not going to agree on this. <laughs> well, really, we're not. I mean, I, I think ultimately, with these things, it's always subjective. And the point of them is to understand more about the respective drivers. It doesn't really matter who was better or Tanak. not out of Tanak and, and Auger. They're both superb performers. And it's it's a sign of a great season that you can make compelling arguments for both. You know, when either of you are talking, I'm thinking, well, that's a good point. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, so you're both making uh, making good arguments. I'm going to call that a score draw there. Really? So we'll, we'll have to go down to the, to the minor placings. Looking down the order, it starts to get a little bit more diverse. In third place, 
we've got David, you've got Thierry Neuville in third. Colin, you've got Yari Matin Latvala. Yeah. Now, to put a bit more context onto that, David, you've got Latvala fourth. Mm. Uh, only one win for Latvala uh, for Toyota this year, although he did finish, I think, fourth in the championship. And Colin, you've got uh, Thierry Neuville down in fifth place. I have. So let's talk, let's talk about Neville and Latvala. I, I have to say, I might concede on this one. Well, night. that's very, very kind of you, David. It, it, it's it a is. difficult one because you're looking at taking Loeb out of the equation, looking at Latvala and Neville, they had well, you've, a we post-season. Say, you've got Sebastian Loeb in fourth I have, place. I've we'll, got him in fourth. We'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah, yeah. you know, they, they had opposing seasons. Latvala had a difficult start and a fantastic end to the season. Neville had a great start and a dreadful, dreadful final, what, half of the year, more than half of the year almost, after Sardinia. Uh, for me, I found it a little difficult to put Neville in fifth because I genuinely believe I had him in fifth. Neville in yeah, fifth. Yeah, you found it hard to put him in third. No, oh. I found it hard to put him in fifth. If you'd listen to my argument, I'll tell you why. <laughs> because I did feel as, I, as if I was doing him a disservice was what I was about to say, Ed. So I found it difficult to put him in fifth. I think well, you quite put possibly. Everyone, you should put everyone equal first. Yeah. Exactly. And I could put 15 of them in equal first. Didn't everyone do yes. well? <laughs> yeah. um, you? Because, you know, I, I think he is the most incredible driver. And I think I say in my little summary that, you know, in terms of effort, in terms of commitment, Five stars. He really was committed and the effort was there all year. I was just disappointed. I think I don't think you can put in the top four a driver who in, what, seven rallies has one podium, no wins. You can't really put him in your top four or five. That's and, the bit. And perhaps I was blinded by the first half of the year when, you know, a Sweden win. Um, and, and just he, and that's Sardinia result. But for me, you're quite right now. You know, Latvala, what he did, we perhaps overlooked and we, we didn't blame him for some of the issues, but certainly he bore the brunt uh, as did Tanak of, of the fragility of the of the Toyota. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we should, but we should say in that, however, that regardless of the weaknesses in Neville, he did have a run at the championship, whereas Latvala did not have a run at the championship he, in a car his teammate did, and it sounds like they both had problems. But so. I, Latvala, for me, definitely, he had more problems and less of them were of his own making in the first half of the year. I yes. think that's, that's, yeah, I think that's uh, reasonable. And I, but I, and I also think he was made to take the blame. Yeah. For the one or two that we do attribute to Latvala, yeah. I'm not entirely certain sure they that, were. That, that, that they but, you were know, that's, that's, that's the team game, isn't it? But certainly, as we progressed into the second half of the year, he was sensational. And, he was sensational. And to even, you know, take Ogier all the way in Wales mm. was brilliant. Mm. And he absolutely deserved that win in Australia. And, you know, f- for me, he, this guy has never driven better or stronger and is a genuine title contender next genuine year. Genuine title contender for many reasons, but his head is in the right place. And yeah. and that's always been... No one's ever doubted Latvala's speed, no. his ability, his potential. But how can we be talking about a 33-year-old, 34-year-old driver and still be talking potential? That's what's sad about Latvala's career. But yeah. I'm with you. I, I'm having a few euros on Latvala for next year because I can see things getting very juicy at the top and Latvala doing an Ogier. And yeah. picking the points up and scoring consistently. But in fairness, that's never been his, his, his MO at all, really, has no, it? But, but, but maybe it is now. But we've said it many times. Has he turned that corner? Has mm. he found that consistency? I think he's found the right place mentally. And I think that's the most important thing. The biggest question, again, for, for Yari Matti next year is how he's going to deal with another teammate. You know, we saw, we saw this when he was at Volkswagen. How would he deal with Ogier? And then he went to Toyota. And suddenly, how would he deal with Tanak when Tanak came along? Now he's got Meek coming along as well. Uh, you know, it's well, not going to be I, easy. I this very odd dynamic where it yeah. looks as if, you know, we talked about Hyundai and there are three drivers, two drivers 
uh, vying for a full-time seat. They're two part-time drivers. You know, we've got two full-time drivers at Toyota next year potentially vying for a 2020 seat. You know, yeah. neither we won't have Meek and Latvala. We don't think we'll have Meek and Latvala no, in like 2020. Right. So one of them will have the seat. So how is that going to affect potentially Latvala's approach to the year? I don't know. I, I, I just think that he is now mentally so much better prepared for next season than perhaps he has ever been. Perhaps he has ever been. And for me, that completely. gives... And there are Latvala, legions of Latvala fans around the world, and I think they can all be reasonably optimistic about his chances for next year. Yeah, which, in fairness, eight, nine months ago, you'd never Whoa. have said. Jeez, you'd never have said. He's finished. He was. And that was and the talk in the service park after yeah, Sardinia. He was on his way was out. That he was on his way out. Hmm. No, he, he absolutely deserves another go, and, and he can be world champion next year. It does seem like there's not... I mean, again, with these rankings, you always have to pick one order. There's not, there's no massive disagreements. I mean, we should talk about Loeb now. Colin, you've got him fourth. David, you've got him fifth. I guess the counter argument there would be, yes, he won in Catalonia, but uh, he only did three rallies. So I guess that's the one counter argument that he was just an occasional, occasional start. It was, but it, of those three rallies, he led in Mexico. Mm. He was fastest times in Corsica, probably would have, could have won Corsica and won Spain. You know, so the guy that comes back and only does three rallies, he could have won all three of them. Now, for me, you know, you could that could reflect badly on on the WRC. But I don't I've think heard it people does. making that argument. It just shows that if this guy from the past can but drop in and, uh, and the do one well thing right. I would say is that you you can't underestimate the advantage that he has running where he ran in Mexico. He was ninth or tenth on the road or something. He had a very different level of grip and line through every but corner. let's counter that. Let's counter that with Spain because the worst place to be on tarmac, on wet tarmac, is at the back of the field. And that's where he found himself. It's muddy, it's messy, it's difficult. That's where he found himself. And it was genius. It was absolute genius that won him that rally in Spain. There's no question. And again, you know, you, you talk about this, your questions being asked about how can an old-timer come back and win? What you will find is the majority of those questions are being asked by circuit racers because in circuit racing, it's very, very different. You know, in rallying... Circuit racing's harder, as we all know. <laughs> circuit racing Let's is, not is go more there. You're about the instinctiveness here, and the bravery and all the rest that comes with youth. Whereas rallying, and this is what I think is almost... It's, it's, it's just reaffirming for me uh, the fact that Loeb comes out and shows us that rallying still in a very big part is about experience, knowledge, intelligence, and not just about out-and-out speed. And the decision to go on those hard compound tyres on Sunday morning was a stroke Five. of genius. It a was. stroke of genius. Equally, and he's the only man that could, could uh, Yeah, but equally, Ogier would counter that with the fact that, Ogier, uh, with that Loeb had nothing to lose. Yes, yes, you yes. Know, but but he, Ogier he also admits that they didn't even consider it. Yeah, they that's the thing that's remarkable. That he, 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 but absolutely. And the thing that's kept... You know, we talk about Loeb not having competed full-time in WRC since 2012, but he he did two years of World Tourers mm -hmm. and then World Rallycross. You know, he has kept himself sharp. And in some ways, you know, Rallycross probably keeps you sharper than anything because, you know, not only are you fighting the car, you're sideways fighting three or four other drivers. So he's his ability to drive a car has always been there. And when you underpin that with probably more experienced than anybody else, particularly in rallies that he knows. You know, he knew Mexico, he knew Corsica, okay, he didn't know all the stages, and he knew Spain, and he knew what the weather might do, you know, when it came on that on that last morning. But you're absolutely right. He was genuinely brilliant in Spain. For, for me, it just it just, it just, it just, it just reaffirmed that the rallying is different and always will be different, you know, from, from any other form of motorsport. 
I just noticed that I did lie earlier when I said there wasn't one common position, but there, number six is the same in, in both of yours. And it's not even a a, a top category driver. It's uh, Kelly Robin Perra. This is the WRC other end of the scale, two, isn't it? Not, not even the WRC2 champion. No. But, I mean, everything that we've just said about, you know, you need years of experience and, and all of that for Logue to come back and do. Robin Perra completely undermines all of that, doesn't he? Because, you Was know... He's 18, is he still? 18, yeah. But, I mean, the one thing that he's done is he's spent 10 years driving a car. You know, from the age of eight, he was in that Toyota Starlet, and he's been in a car constantly, or if not in a car, on a quad bike, on a skidoo, something where traction's limited and you've got to get the best out of it, whatever. But that's fine. He's got the speed, and he can drive through the Finland Forest quicker than anybody, I'm sure, probably right now. But what he didn't have is rallycraft. Nope. He didn't He didn't he know. Yeah. No. To come to Spain for the first time and beat the people that he beat was unbelievable and wales you know wales is one of the difficult most difficult rallies to learn and he last year he was there and he went off early i think and was no great shakes this year he came and he dominated it and he was honestly and he looked comfortable he didn't look like he was being pushed or he was extending himself none of that he just looked really comfortable and what i love about david is you know i spent half my life at stage ends and you, know, I often question about young drivers. I look at them and think, God, you guys have got the best opportunity in the world. I remember what I was doing at their age. And I question, you know, whether they're actually enjoying themselves oh. for the majority of them. Because you hear what they say and you see the looks on their faces and you think, come on, guys, just lighten up. Robin Perra, without doubt, is having a ball. Oh, yeah. He is absolutely, absolutely having a ball. He, yeah. he loves it. He's so, as you say, laid back. It's coming so easily to him. He's got the right approach. And, you know, there, there's a little bit of swagger about him. There's a little bit of arrogance and cockiness about him, but not so much. But I, I would say, for me, I don't see that quite so much. I can see it beginning and I can see, but you need that. I don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind no. it at all. I think it's a great you know, thing. And through, you know, next year he'll stay with Skoda and he'll do WRC2 again, mm. but he needs that swagger mm. when he comes at the end of next year. I'm sure he'll be starting 2020 with Toyota. And if he's in there up against Tanak, he needs a bit of that, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And he needs a self He does, but he also needs to realise that there is no rush, as you say. He he's 18. He's 18. Yeah. Uh, he will be 19 when he takes a full-time seat in the WRC. Mm. We well, should know. remember that he is still contractually bound to Skoda for the next two years, but they, that Skoda has said that yes, they won't it. stand in his way in the same way they didn't with Hannon and No, exactly. There's precedent there, isn't there, with Skoda, yeah. and they, they are very good in that regard. Yeah. But no, I, I think Robin Perra's exploits this year had to be recognised, and, and I put him at six, you put him at six, and I think I think it's deserving in terms of you know quality of, of performances. Yep. Yeah, I exactly. think it's fair to say you got that one right. <laughs> well, now we get to a thing where things are slightly messy when we get to the bottom four of the top ten or bottom five in the case of certain certain mathematically challenged members of this. Uh, I'm all this about words. It's all about words, not numbers. It's words um, with him, and he's very good with words. <laughs> there's there's a there's a broad agreement on Hayden Padden We've talked to, talked about quite a lot already. Seventh in David's list, eighth in Colin's list. I mean, that's, there's no. Well, I, I put Sordo ahead of him. I could have easily have just flipped the two around. And, and the only reason that I put Padden at eight was that I was really disappointed with him in GB. The only reason. I think the rest of his year was fantastic. Australia was magnificent. As you say, Portugal was a great start. Most unfortunately, he had that accident. But no, you could you could you could say similarly for Sordo. Sordo was disappointing in Spain, but you know, I I liked what Sordo did this year because I liked his approach. I liked his style. I liked his demeanour. All around the service park was 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 great, uh, and again we talk about Latvala being in a different place. Sordo is comfortable in his skin now. Sordo knows he's never going to be world champion. Sordo knows he is unlikely to win rallies. Sordo is enjoying 
at the twilight of his career. He's making the most of it, uh, and that's the only reason. But I could easily have flipped the two around seven and eight, or I could have split them and said they were joint seventh, but that would have meant putting 11 drivers in my top 10. Well, well we should say, David, on your list, you've got Danny Sordo equal 10th. Now, we'll come back to the whole equal 10th argument in a minute but just arguing we, the point we, don't, we can uh, we can move on we don't need to well, come back to that <laughs> we're definitely going to come back to that but uh, yeah you could at the stage uh, why, why Sordo seventh in Collins list equal tenth tenth and a half in your in your list I, I think you know for me the last couple of rallies if you expect Sordo to win somewhere it's Germany you know that's the place that he's won once mm. in his career he was a little bit disappointing there and disappointing in Spain and but for he me, that just took... on the gravel this year. He did, you know. Second, second in Mexico he was us all outstanding. These on the gravel. Yeah, and th- he got that motivation mm. back. Uh, and perhaps I've been a little bit harsh on him. Maybe. No, no, no. no, no. Well, let's have a, a look at the lower reaches. Um, probably easy to do this in one go. David, you've gone eighth, Esapeka Lappi, ninth, Craig Breen, and then tenth is Elfin Evans and Danny Sordo combined. This is where it gets interesting. Colin. No, I haven't you've, included you've, any of those three. Of well, exactly. Content. Well, you've got Padden eighth, then Chris Meek, yeah, uh, uh, ninth. Well, let me tell you why. Um, and then I mean, Jan Kopecky tenth. Yeah. WRC you know, the, two those, champion. Those three drivers, uh, Lappy struggled to take that seriously. La- <laughs> when we come to Meek, I'll tell you why. And that that was that was an absolute curveball, and maybe I shouldn't have included it. But you know, in terms of uh, Lappy, Breen, and Evans, three drivers with every opportunity this year, every opportunity, full time season. Every opportunity to impress, Breen really didn't important. Have a full season? No, okay, Breen didn't. So just, apologies. Just, two, just two, as he got to the point, second, bit, yeah. second, two and a bit. Okay. Right, Breen, right, right, across the wave, but, going but, out for but, how many months? Breen, when it got tough, unfortunately for me, didn't show what I wanted to see from him. It got tough at the end of the year, and he started making mistakes, and he made mistake after mistake after mistake. Evans, for me, didn't show the pace. He won brilliantly in 2017 in GB. We wanted to see a step forward this year, and it didn't come. It was a step backwards. Lappy for me again. Won in 2017. We wanted to see him stepping forward. Now, Lappy is his first full season in the, in the championship. Well, yeah, but I, so he's not Look in my top 10 then. Why it? should he be in my top 10? It was his first full, full season, and he didn't really move forward from uh, his part-time season. He's an experience everything in the WRC. Exactly. It's everything. But that's why he's not in my top 10. That's exactly why he's not in my top <laughs> Haven't 10. Haven't you just undermined but your own argument? Not though. in the slightest. Then yeah. why is Robin Power in your top six? Exactly. Because, no experience. because he had to be. It couldn't be ignored. It couldn't be ignored, that type of performance. It couldn't be ignored. The pace couldn't be ignored. But I think with Lappy, I was a little disappointed. And I'll tell you what. You ask Lappy and he'll tell you he himself was disappointed with his performance three, this year. Three podiums out of five rallies. He was disappointed with that. He was talking about being a title contender after three rallies. He was talking. Where did it all go? It went the wrong way. He, he, he didn't deserve... Maybe he did deserve to be in my top ten. Okay. Yeah. I, I have to concede a little here because it's I It's not too late. Put him at joint, joint no, ten. No, nine. Nine, I'll take Mika. I'll take Mika. I mean, you can say with Lappy, fifth in the championship, he's only two points behind Lavala. Yeah. yeah, you can say in that. The same you, you can say that. And this is another reason why I thought, why isn't he in my top 10? I thought long and hard about Lappy. But I think um, 11 in your top 10 is the way forward. Uh, well, perhaps. You know, but, but he would, let me tell you this, he would have made my top 10 had I not put Meek in there. And Meek perhaps was a little bit spurious of me, a little bit silly. But for me, we talked about this beforehand. I wanted my top 10, Ed, to be drivers who have impressed me the most this year. As opposed to... And David said, well, what's the difference? It's a big, big difference between drivers who impress and your top 10 drivers who have performed throughout the year. It's a massive difference. Uh, So I kind of went with drivers who have impressed as opposed to 
you know, my top 10 actual drivers. Yeah, but think- we're talking about drivers who impress you on the stages. That's kind of core to what MN and Autosport do. We talk about people driving. You could, you could argue getting dropped, perhaps. You can, but that. for me, it was just the most remarkable thing. So Meek, when he is sacked, and it was it was the most inglorious sacking. It really was. It was a very terse note from Citroen that dismissed Chris Meek and Paul Nagel. Let's not forget that. You know, I was astonished that that note covered Meek and Nagel. But anyway, yeah, but you put him in the shush, top. <laughs> let me finish. It was the most incredible dismissal note, and I think it was it was it was legally driven, and I understand why Citroen had to do that, but. The story is that Meek was claiming that that was a career-ending missive from uh, Citroen and that his career was over because who's going to employ him after you know, such a damning condemnation of his performance? And then all of a sudden, he's got a full-time drive with Toyota. Nothing short of a miracle. Nothing short of a miracle. But you Deserves can't... To be it, there because but of no, that. you're putting him in there because of his the way he reacted to being sacked and contract negotiations correct nonsense correct he's impressed that impressed me i told you i have a different approach no it's not ridiculous it's as ridiculous as putting 11 drivers in your top 10 he wasn't um, driving so, that fairness, no, less it is it is it is it is about people who have impressed me this year in wrc well, drivers who have impressed if you drivers enjoyed reading my words why, why was not in there drivers who have impressed been in there. I'm no a good you, driver. you're you're yeah put me uh, a joint number 10 no uh, no. How, how good was Meek in the rallies he did do? He was he was all right. You know, for me, the one with Meek this year, he was what he was on the podium in Mexico, fourth in Monte or something. But S- Sweden was a bit of the one that I was disappointed. He struggled with the car in Sweden, just like he did. Remember last year, the car was appalling. And then Green took the car Horrendous. to the podium. Exactly, it was all very strange. And, that was, and then you know, in Mexico, like, no, in no, Mexico, let's not talk you, about Meek because it's, it's a silly inclusion, and it, it is. is a little bit kind of provocative. Of but Meek, we do but need to talk about Meek. I or do we need to talk about Chris? It's it's a tricky one. I mean, what, for me, it was absolutely the wrong decision that Citroen took. It was a knee jerk reaction to a big accident. You know, there's no denying it was it was a big shunt. No, I think it was a combination. I, I genuinely think it was. I think they were trying to get rid of him for some time. Um, and it wasn't. It I'm was not a good, sure about that because you know we spoke to Carlos Tavares in the the big cheese at the top of the PSA group in Monte Carlo, and he he stood by firmly stood by and gave gave Meek his backing over Sebastian Loeb and Sebastian Ogier. Meek was their man, and and for that to change so dramatically, what I don't else think changed it, dramatically though at Citroen. What what else? Yeah, changed? the team principal. Okay, but, and I, but, I think it was I think it was a clearing of the decks, and I, do you know what? With Ogier there, and I think the success they're going to get, you'd argue maybe it was the right decision. I, I think it was a clear no, it, How could you say that was the right decision to get rid of him in that fashion at that point? He crashed a car. What I'm saying is it might prove to be the right it, decision. It, may, it might but, prove but, to be the right decision. why not let Meek have the rest of the year? Well, there's the, yeah. You know, for me, it was unbelievable the way that they got rid of him. His driving before that, he didn't really look like winning any rallies. You know, Corsica maybe, and then they, you know, there was that unfortunate incident with the pace notes, and they went off there. But it wasn't one of Chris's strongest starts to the year. No. Um, but for sure, he didn't deserve what no, he got. I... And 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 I can't wait to see the boy back in Monty. You know, because suddenly uh, it's you know, unbelievably incredible to see him, Tanak, Latvala. What, what does he have to car. change though? With Toyota, to in some ways, has to change nothing change? because what he's got. We talked about this on the way in, in into the office today about the raw aggression and that absolute determination. There's not many drivers have that, and Chris has got that in spades. You know, we saw it in Ogier in the last three or four rounds. There's an argument to say that Loeb doesn't have it. 
because maybe he has so much natural talent that he doesn't need to rely on that absolute last but it's not worked for 100 percent. it's not worked from up to now so he, he does have to but, change something but he does no he doesn't but maybe but he doesn't because you look at where chris failed and there was a definite problem with the car the car didn't work we talking about? last year okay when he crashed last year arguably when he wasn't on form early this year you know they changed the geometry they changed the suspension fundamentally that car changed mid-season there is no way Mads Osberg could get in that car and finish second no, in no, Finland no, without a massive change yeah. to the car. They made that change. And for me, that was when we would have seen Chris coming. But maybe his confidence was shot in the car and the whole team thing wasn't working. I don't know. So you asked the question, what does he need to change? Nothing. Take that aggression. Get into a car that will work for him. And let's see what he can do Listen, in the Toyota. I, I, you know, I, I am fully aware of this because I've spent half my career annoying and upsetting people. Uh, but it needs to be done at times. It needs to be done. And you need to be honest with yourself and you need to be honest with people around you. But there is a place in life for diplomacy. And do you think that if Chris Meek, uh, through the start of this season, had shown a little more diplomacy in his dealings with, Toy uh, with Toyota, in his dealings with Citroen, in how he explained the problems, do you think he would have stayed no, in that? Hang on. You don't know what the question is. Do you think he would have stayed in the car till the end of the year? My point is, does he have to perhaps... Bye, Show a little bit more diplomacy. Be a little bit more of a senior, no, uh, yeah, senior yes. statesman. It depends. The... It depends who 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 you're trying to serve here. Maybe for himself, perhaps career advancement. It could be best, but for the to championship, fill, to fill his potential, to fill, fill his potential as a potential world champion, which I have no doubt he has, because there are only Ed, I think, five drivers who can win any rally they start, uh, and for sure, Meek is one of those five drivers. I include Loeb in that as well, by the way. Um, can, can almost Loeb could almost win any rally starts even today um, but you know if you have that ability to win any rally you have the ability to be world champion but right now something is missing no I think having spoken to Chris in, in Spain I think we'll see a different Chris Meek I, I think next right. year I, I think he will so that's the he's change he's learned yeah that's the change but, but in some ways it annoys me a little bit that he feels he has to do that. He can't oh. be critical of the team because, you know, you look back in history and some of the best drivers that we had were the most controversial, you know, and not necessarily controversial. Carlos Sainz always spoke his mind. Colin McRae, always, you know, both, you and... Both world champions. Both Juha Kankinen as well, always. Another world champion. Another world champion. And they had well, the ability... Not, not just Meek. world champions, yeah. not just world but, champions, but, yeah, but huge I mean, characters. Yeah, okay. Achieve, I mean, Meek has achieved a lot. You know, you don't win what he's won without being very quick, but that does give you greater leeway, doesn't it? It does. Sorry, I missed your point there. You know, in my mind, obviously, Chris Meek is a world champion, but <laughs> but I I fear that we lose people like Meek who are happy to speak their mind. You know, speaking uh, as a reporter from the championship, we you know we are losing characters. You know, there's not a lot of charisma out there, and we need him to. to I have remember that spark. when we did when we sat around in the room next door actually to do our Colin McRae podcast. We talked about this. We talked about the fact that when Colin appeared on the scene, he was able to speak his mind, and he, and he yeah. was regularly critical yeah. of of you know what he was given to to operate with and the service and all the rest. Uh, not not there's no place unfortunately for that in today's motorsport. You know, and, and there isn't, and it's changed. The yeah. whole we the whole environment that, has changed. The whole yeah. environment has changed. Um, is there an argument that Chris Meek is a little bit of a dinosaur in that regard? No. But a dinosaur that should be celebrated. He's a Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Rex. He really maybe, is. Maybe, and, maybe. And we, I can and see we all point. love a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I can Rex. see, but what you're promoting is, is I'm not shocking. Promo I'm not promoting anything because I am not, I am, I am 
looking at the situation. No, actually, no, it's not because you know already with Robin Pera, you can see an element. A little bit of it. Yeah, and I, you know, he's not. Robert you know, he's eighteen. Yeah. yeah, I think there are younger drivers out there, and it almost comes back to a self confidence thing. Mm. If they trust themselves and they believe in themselves, they'll be critical, and yeah. so they should. Yeah, totally. No, I'm but, with you. I'm playing devil's advocate here. I, I want to see Chris Meek losing nothing next year, but I want to see Chris Meek turning around and saying, "I." Bloody told you so. I told you I could do it. You know, you had no faith in me. You criticised. You castigated. You slapped me across the head. But I'm going to show but you equally, what I can do. And that's balance, what I want to see. Let's balance all of that with the fact that Meek has always gone best, and by his own admission, he's gone best when he's got a long-term commitment, two, three-year deal. Yeah. That's what he always wanted from Citroen. He got it. It went south for whatever reason. He's got a one-year deal with Toyota next year. You know, he's back to that. <laughs> got to deliver every rally, every yeah, rally 14 critical. rallies every rally is critical. critical and yeah. how it's his future in the championship and his ability to become a world champion depends almost completely on how he can react to that situation it's going to need a strong start to the season isn't it that's normally a, yeah. a, a good settler well just to, to finish off you've got Craig Green ninth we talked about Green obviously lost a bit of momentum when he was taken out of the car but had some had some good pace and then we come down to this this equal 10th position now yeah I'm 99.999% anti-equal positions in top 10s, unless you can give a very clear, very precise, non-fence-sitting, analytical, well-reasoned argument for I, having Elf and I, Evans I've and Danny Sordo equal honest, I, I can't. I can't. I, I've argued for, for Danny. Um, you know, potentially Danny should have gone a little bit higher up on the strength of results like second in Mexico. Elvin, okay... Elvin had a puncture in Monte, puncture in Sweden, round three. He was super quick in, in Mexico. Then that massive crash, uh, lost Dan, his co-driver, bang on the head. So he bought Phil Mills, super world champion co-driver, bought him back in Corsica. It was never going to work the same because, you know, you get used to your own co-driver. Phil did a great job. They were fifth or something. Then Argentina, the car didn't really work in Argentina. Am I convincing you, Ed? Are we getting there slowly? You're, you're, you're making a case for him being in the sand. And I then mean, he's case for him being the same level as Sordo, though. So then he had a, he had a second. Okay, it wasn't he didn't really earn the second place in Portugal, but it was he was second nonetheless. But as the year progressed, the the thing ah the thing that convinced me that Alvin should be is the progression that he's made as a person and potentially shut up as a driver. He is a different guy. To, if you look back to 2015. When he was benched after Australia, he was nowhere. He was absolutely. Oh come on, Colin! Oh, you I... remember in in Australia in fifteen, he couldn't drive the car. No, the, the worst was GB. The last. No, time no, 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 no way. Australia, he could not drive that car. No, I, I thought. Hang on, you were talking about. I'm not. We're not talking about driving here. We're talking about his attitude, his yeah. his demeanor. So, so and to, you were saying, so, so, then, so then you start talking years. about him driving in Australia. But we're yeah. talking about you were you were justifying this eleven drivers in the top ten by saying that Evans has progressed as a man. He's grown up as a man. That's more or less what you're saying. As a driver. As a driver and yet as, as a character. As a character. All right, as a character. He's got more self-confidence, more maturity. and. But I will counter that by saying, and, and I want nothing more than to see Elvin Evans succeeding because he is one of the most likable characters in the service park. He's had four full seasons in a WRC car. We saw this re-emergence or the emergence of this man as opposed to boy after his year out in 2016 
2017, we saw him coming out. Oh, he's got something about him. There's some steel about him. There's a real something about him. Forgetting but he about was, the driving. He was chasing the season. You're now seeing it's come back again yeah, at the end of this year. He was chasing the season after sort of round three or four. He was up against it. And, it, you know, as we know, as soon as you start chasing those yeah. rallies, it's very difficult. And he didn't, you know, he had some issues. Where was it? The, the, the car broke Finland, was it? When he came out of service and he had that problem? No, GB. The engine GB problem, going, GB. When he's, when GB. He's more or less leading. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That and then, the, okay, I'll give and you then Spain. Maybe I've been a bit harsh You know, Spain, not, not the, the last stage in Spain was sensational. Beating Lavelle. You know, massive pressure from the team. Yeah, Get ahead yeah, of yeah. Thierry. And he did it. And he did it. You know, so would you do you think he's done enough to deserve a seat next year? Would you give him a seat, a free ride? I I would. Would it, I be, would. A, would it be a seat share with Danny Sordai? No. If it was your seat. No. <laughs> he can only share the top he can only share tenth place. I, do you know what? I would I but would I'm gonna I would, be, I would as well. I would, because, I would as well. Because it's better than the devil this, you know. Exactly. There's no you way know, else. Malcolm has invested so much yeah. money for so long, yeah. you know. It's worth a punt for one I more year. So. I think give so, totally. I, I, for me, the big question was whether, whether Malcolm would, would, if you like, give a free seat next year. Whether he would just run with two, well, with Sunan and a pair yeah, driver. I mean, at the, at the but if he is going to know. run, we don't know. But if he is going to run effectively a third car, one free car, really there are only two or three drivers available. Perhaps Breen, Evans, but, you know, perhaps But if you've got one year, you know, for me, Breen, Evans are pretty much the same pattern I, I, as well. I would put potentially put Padden ahead of those guys um, a little bit fractionally but the only thing that would mitigate against Craig is the fact that he doesn't have the experience of the team and the car right. and and if you've got Elvin there who's been in there for so long it's worth going because I, I you agree totally I agree totally totally but I, I don't agree he's in the top 10 and maybe a little harsh maybe a little harsh and not putting him there you but, are but, um, but I agree he does deserve it somewhere a joint no no Kopecksky I had to fit Kopecksky into my top 10 Ed. No. I had to fit him in he, he 22 out of 23 wins this year he absolutely kicked the arses of the young pretenders in the WRC this year you look at Finland Finland he had a puncture early Saturday morning he lost two minutes he, was he being, still came back and he won he, it you look at the same in Barham in Barham an 18 year old boy was was Way quicker than him in Finland. Well, you know, we are talking about a 35-year-old driver, a 36-year-old driver. I thought driver. you said experience used, was everything. He used all of his experience to win the WRC title and to only, to not win one rally this year when he was entered in however many. Um, it's just quite astonishing. And for me, for, for me, I if I had an absolute, if I had my own rally team uh, and I won the lottery, uh, I would seriously consider putting Kopecksky in a world rally car just to see how he could go. I think he could deliver you a lot of points, a lot of points as a third driver. I, I, I struggle with that. You know, lovely guy again and and absolutely deserved his, his championship this year. Deserved, deserved his place it. in my top 10. <laughs> the only one who didn't was Meek in my top 10. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm now really regretting that because it made me look almost as silly as 11 and 10. No, no, no. Almost you can't. A, 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 an 11 in your top 10 is the only way. This is it's a reflection on what a brilliant year we've had. And to do anything other than 11 in your top 10 is frankly nonsense. I think you're just flying in the face of a very well-established base 10 mathematical system. So uh, I think I think that's the one thing we all agree on, that uh, 11 in your top 10. Well, all, all sound-minded okay. people should agree. Um, but no, it's been a, a very good debate. We, we touched a lot on themes for next season there, but we should just have a little bit of a look ahead. As I said, the launch of the WRC Saturday, January the 12th, Autobot International in, in Birmingham. So what, what is the who, who are the championship protagonists? Is it just rolling on from this year, plus Meek maybe? What, I, who's I, who's favourite? I've got to say, this, we go into a year where it's Toyota's to lose. 
you know, if everything we understand about the budget, the development, the car, the speed, the drivers, everything's there. You know, you look pound for pound, that team stacks up against anybody. You'd look immediately, you'd look at Hyundai. We know that we know they're going to go with Mickelson, Neville, Sordo in Monty. Okay, you know, Thierry can possibly win. Maybe Danny could win. Mickelson, we've got no idea which Andreas is coming out of the blocks. So immediately, there's a question mark there. The ones, you know, M Sport, it's going to be very, very difficult for them. I don't doubt Chris Williams and his brilliant engineers at M Sport will work with that car and they will probably win a rally. You know, potentially Temu Sunanen could win Finland. I don't think the, they'll win a rally next. The car, the car could be that good. Elvin, Wales, who knows? You know, there's a lot of factors in rallying. They can, they could win a rally next year. He's wrong. Uh, and the question for me think, is say they wouldn't. Citroen. What can Ogier do at Citroen? That, and, and potentially they could be... It's bizarre to talk about Citroen as a dark horse, but they've become a dark horse. Oh, they're totally a dark horse. And the, the, the evidence of the last um, Okay, sorry. It's maybe difficult. It's strange to talk of a dark horse with Sebastian Ogier in the team. Right. Right. Look, I, I, I'm with you. I, you know, what year was it that Volkswagen won every rally? Not in the calendar year, but they went from... I think they missed out by one. For me, Toyota could win every rally next year. They, they've got... The one that is perhaps weakest is, is Monte Carlo. Uh, but I think once you oh, get... Yeah, but once, Tanak's second in the last two years or something, yeah, wasn't he? Well, yeah, so he's got everything, you know, he's got all the tools needed to win Monte, but I think I think Ogier will win again in Monte Carlo. Um, but beyond that, I can see them winning everything. F- for me, in terms of the driver's title, you know, uh, Tanak is, is my favourite for the year. I, I'm not so sure that, that Meek will... Meek will make his mark in Toyota next year. Whether he'll challenge for the title is another matter. I promised this last time I interrupted you, but how can you say that when you talk about experience being everything, Ogier being the absolute master of everything? Experience, and, and now, intelligence, and now the guy's, approach. He's not your favourite. How can he be anything approach. other than your favourite? That's a nonsense. You've completely undermined your own argument there. So Listen. I won that one. My top ten's right. Readers, again, my top 10 drive. His wrong. You are interpreting it the way you want to interpret it. What no, I've no, no, said no. is rallying is not about speed. It's about intelligence. It's about approach. It's about attitude. I don't think unless we get a so major... So you just said... Listen, let me finish what I'm saying. Unless we get a major change from Meek next year, you know, we will not have the Meek who can settle for third, fourth, fifth place. Meek will give his all. As you've rightly said, it is, is his USP. He gives everything on every event. That is not... Unfortunately, the way you to win the title. You just said it's not all year. about speed. It's not. But, so why are you putting the fastest guy there? But you said Ogier is the most intelligent approach. bloke. I, I said Ogier is the most intelligent. Which is why he's won this year. And it's why I'm discounting. So me. how's he not going to win next year? How's Ogier how's, might how's, not win next year? But you might. said Tanak's your favourite. He is my favourite because he can win every rally. You've undermined your own argument there. Well, the interesting thing is <laughs> trying to bring some sanity to this tremendous argument. I look That's at total, sorry, <laughs> I, I am absolutely flabbergasted at David Evans's lack of un- understanding. Lack of understanding of where we're that. at. It is no. I am genuinely, slightly, slightly bemused by it, David. I'm sorry. You I completely undermined your own there's, argument. Hundred percent. There is no undermining of the argument. Yeah. What so, I'm saying is what you're saying is that you know you take this year's situation and you transpose it into next year's situation. Because Tanak is a year more experienced. He is a year older. He has had the advantage. I agree in- completely. Tanak, for me, is, is going to be champion next year. But what I'm saying is, how can you look past Ogier, having said everything because you've said? Because there are so many question marks. There's, there's one enormous question mark, Ed, and that is one teammate for Ogier. An enormous question mark over just one teammate and whether that's enough. With things being so tight at the top, you need team support. You need an unequivocal 
Is that the word? I think it is. Number one in your team. And you need the support of the other two drivers. Now, Tanak will have that. Ogier will have the support of Lappi. And I think Lappi will be good. Will he be great? Will he be brilliant? I don't know. But that is why things change next year. And this is why I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that you're, is, almost, is that you're argument, almost saying that there's... That there's going to talk then. I was going to say, is there not an argument with Toyota that because they've got certainly Tanaks that should be the leader, but we're talking about Meek as a potential challenger. If Latful is on his game, maybe, you know, that, that could actually work against them. But yes, they've got three strong drivers. Yeah, totally. But that's if, they start, if they start Absolutely. tripping over each other. Yep. But you said it earlier. Causing problems. It's who, who, who's the best start to the year? You know, right now, Tanak is the number one. If Tanak has a disaster in Monte, followed by a disaster in Sweden and a mediocre Mexico, then someone else will be that number one driver for the rest of the year. That is the luxury that Toyota have. Uh, and that could be Chris Meek. But you're relying on one of those other Toyota drivers to have a strong start. Well, I think I think the, the I think the odds one are, of the three. Yeah, yeah, we have to talk about odds yeah. again. You know, it's not it's not all a science. And I think sometimes you forget that, David. It's not a science. You have <laughs> to throw in. No, it's not a science. You know, if you're relying on this to tell you, if you're relying on this to tell you who's going to be world champion next it's year, pretty, forget it. It's a pretty good forget indicator. It. No, it's not. It, it, it doesn't There's tell so you who was world champion this year. Exactly. In. Thank you, Ed. It, 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 you're quite right. But, you know, there are so many factors that we have to think about for next season. But but the odds are in Toyota's favour. They have right now the most remarkable car that, that does seem quicker than all the other cars. They have three winners in their team. Uh, three current, you could argue, current-ish Meeks, obviously, a little while since he won last. Um, but they are the strongest team. The odds are with them. And you have to factor that in. I do. And, and genuinely, I was playing devil's advocate. You know, Ogier does face an uphill task to win the championship i think so but you know i asked him about the whole not having a a second teammate and he said you know from the minute he began negotiations he didn't expect one so he's comfortable uh to do what you know he's very much a kind of driver that does his own thing and yeah and doesn't rely doesn't he's relied on his teammates a lot this year but you know doesn't actually want to and would rather drive his own rally and just and do his own thing in some ways there is there is then uh, you win by admitting that they only have two drivers next year there is increased pressure on the engineers at citroen to make those changes before the start of the year that will allow ogier on pure pace and experience and knowledge and intelligence on those elements to actually win the title rather than relying on having teammates who, uh, where it's necessary, can help him out. So, you know, the, the pressure there is not on Ogier this coming season. The pressure is on the team and the engineers. It is. And we've certainly seen that, you know, the team made a great stride in the middle of this year, as we've discussed the geometry and, and suspension and what have you. And having spoken to Sebastian after the first test in Portugal, he said, you know, there's nothing that jumps out that scares him. Um, so, you know, he's got a good base. The, the, the problem he's got is the same as two years ago when he went to M-Sport and the time's against him. Mm. You know, he's got two days. Well, uh, it took him what, four rallies? We didn't really see him comfortable at M-Sport until four or five rallies into yeah. the season. So, but, and, and like you said, you know, he won he won Monty in 17. Yeah. He won it with his head. Yeah. You know, he, he was uncomfortable in the car, but he won it with his head. Uh, and, and he can do that again. You know, you talk about the need for a good start. Ogier can deliver that you know he can win Monty maybe not win Sweden or mm-hmm. but you know he's definitely absolutely in there are we considering Terry Neville to be a big threat or do we think this year's just conclusively put him in that yeah you're good but you don't quite have the maybe the, almost the mental strength or the full fully I, rounded package you've to, absolutely to hit the nail on the head there it's the mental strength there's no doubt he's got the speed mm-hmm. you know he can't beat Ogier we put the factors around it earlier in Sweden final stage fight you need the speed. And, you know, he won Sweden. He has got the speed to do it. 
again, it's a question mark of the team. Can the team bring the car and his teammates around him to give him the, the perfect storm to win the championship? That's the question mark. These are all fabulous cars. And sorry, just want to go back. He's not. I'm not sure that Thierry is still mentally strong enough. And maybe that's harsh, but a second half of this year would definitely indicate that he's not there. He can't cope in the same way that Auger can with driving first on the road. Totally, totally. But, you know, the cars are all very, very evenly matched. Uh, yes, there are uh, some differences and there are reasonably obvious differences, but it won't take an awful lot, you know, for Hyundai to make two or three small changes to that car and it's bang on the pace again, you know, and it'll be right there. And I, and I would hope that that's what happens because... You know, we need to see success for Hyundai next year. You know, it's, it's critical. I, I think it's fair to say it's critical. They have to deliver a driver's title or a manufacturer's title. That puts enormous pressure on everyone at the start of the season. But, no, I, I, I listen, he will be there. There'll be three, maybe four drivers this year who are there in the last quarter of the season. And I think Thierry Neuville will be one of them. I think he will. Well, we covered a lot of ground there, um, arguing about the season and next season, and uh, we'll have plenty more podcasts in 2019 to talk about rallying, hopefully, with plenty more lively disagreements. It's been, uh, it's been fascinating to just be able to sit back and relax and uh, enjoy it. So I hope everyone's enjoyed listening and uh, and watching. Uh, I should remind everyone, check out the autosportinternational.com site for tickets for Autosport International, which is January the 10th to the 13th. Saturday the 12th is a, is a WRC launch so we'll have cars and drivers that's gonna be brilliant isn't it Which, yeah i just have to day. say it is going to be the most amazing day you know with every single person that's involved in the world rally championship under one roof in birmingham it's it's great you know it happened before not, not, not last in year. recent years no no but until for the public not, yeah exactly it was, it was a closed day to yeah, press last Thursday year last year for and, public or this year so saturday it's oh. great you know you're absolutely right it will be Sensational, and I believe Colin's hosting the stage, so there's plenty of jointly hosting the jointly stage. Hosting the stage. His autograph, also disagree with Excuse his top me? ten from the previous yeah, year. Exactly, that's the point. Bring your top tens along and 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 tear well, a strip we, we off him. We discuss. We don't argue. We discuss. Yeah, David will be sat there with a little box of it with. 10 slots to put 11 things into. Like <laughs> one of those child toys, isn't it, where you work out basic shapes and maths and That's things. That's already beyond me, Ed. <laughs> well, we'll give you one of those and see if you can uh, see if you can learn in time for next year. So that's 10th to the 13th of January, autosportinternational.com. Uh, we'll also suggest head to autosport.com for all the latest news from the world of motorsport, Formula 1, WRC, NASCAR, IndyCar, the lot. And check out our Plus subscriber area for in-depth articles from the world's leading motorsport journalists. Check out Autosport Magazine, out every Thursday, and Motorsport News, out every Wednesday. And please have a look at sister titles, motorsport.com and F1 Racing Magazine, out monthly. And also, if you fancy a flutter, check out the Pitstop betting app, available to download now. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The world is waiting, waiting for new thinking, for bold ideas that embrace a globally connected community, working together to create a better future for all. And that future, it can be found here at UC Riverside. Here, you'll join a community where diversity equals vitality, where support and empowerment lifts spirits and propels ideas forward. Fearless, innovative, connected. UC Riverside. Bold hearts, brilliant minds. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.